0: Welcome to Central Coast Voices, a program addressing the ramifications of change in our communities and beyond, and how today's choices will impact tomorrow's community. This program is a project of Action for Healthy Communities and is provided in collaboration with KCBX and the Community Foundation of San Luis Obispo County. Today's host, Lata Murdy, speaks with guests from Future Leaders of America to discuss how they work to develop youth, resiliency, and leadership. And we'll hear from Daniel Gonzalez, Director of Organizing and Advocacy, and Ivette Peralta, Director of Annual Programs. We invite you to listen, learn, and participate in our conversation today, Thursday, between 1 and 2 o'clock. Call in and be part of our discussion today at 805-549-8855, or you can email your questions to voices at kcbx.org. Now, let's join Lada and her guests. Over to you, Lada.
1: Thank you, Brad. For 40 years, Future Leaders of America, or FLA, has been helping Latinx youth in Santa Barbara County and Oxnard find their voice and learn to advocate not only for themselves, but also for their families and their communities. Here with me today to talk about Future Leaders of America and its work are Daniel Gonzalez, Director of Organizing and Advocacy for FLA, and Yvette Peralta, Director of Annual Programs for FLA. Welcome, Daniel and Yvette.
2: Thank you so much for having us.
1: Thank you for being here today. So, Take us back to 1982 and the founding of Future Leaders of America. Who started the organization and why?
0: Yeah,
2: um, so Future Leaders of America was uh, created by uh, Gil Cuevas. He was a Por Wainimi um, school counselor who saw a need, you know, in our community here in Oxnard. Um, He felt that, you know, uh, a lot of students weren't, um, you know, going on to pursue higher education, going off to college. A lot of students were um, getting into gang activity. Uh, There was a high uh, uh, pregnancy rate among, you know, teens. Um, And these are issues that are still going on now. But, you know, Gil Cuevas had a vision of, you know, how do we um, ensure that our our youth, um, you know, are able to excel and and, and go on to a four year university. I um, mean, we created, you know, Future Leaders of America, a, really a program designed to um, help motivate our students, uh, find uh, their their cultural background, which is unique, right, the Latinx community, um, and really uh, empower them, right, to take um, charge of their lives and and really, um, you know, have a clear understanding you know, of how to get to a four-year university.
1: So it started in Oxnard in Ventura County. And when and why did it come to include Santa Barbara County? Yvette?
3: It's a great question, Lata. Definitely, a lot has happened in the last 40 years. And like you said, it started in Oxnard and um, it was... It was where everything was built, right? Where the first cohorts of youth were recruited and now we have over 9,000 youth that have participated in our programs. Um, I actually would love to hear from Daniel if he knows the exact year when it was expanded to Santa Barbara because I know that um, the most recent regions are Carpinteria and Port Huaynimi, but um, we are or, we're also in Santa Maria and I don't know the exact years. Do you know, Daniel? Exactly when we expanded.
2: No, I'm also not really familiar. When I joined, you know, Future Leaders of America, um, Santa Barbara was already an existing uh chapter of our org. Uh but I do know that you know we we had expanded throughout the years, you know, up to I believe uh you know, Santa Maria and also to down towards the England Empire. So FLA had, you know, stretched, you know, along the the Along California uh, for a while now. And I think there was a, a period um, where we had to downsize as an organization. Um, and, you know, um, our Oxnard region, uh, Santa Maria region, and Santa Barbara region were what was left over um, from that downgrade.
3: And we to, thank you so much for elaborating on that, Danielle. And we do currently have some active chapters in. Um, the Inland Empire and also in East Bay. So, um, although they're not um, non-profit organizations, uh, some of them are fiscally sponsored by other orgs. They have a presence and they do have some programming going on, but not as um, as heavy and with the amount of you know personal capacity that we have in in the areas previously mentioned here in, in Santa Maria, Santa Barbara, and also Oxnard.
1: So how did the name come about Future Leaders of America? Can you speak to that?
3: Was that always its name? Yeah, it has always been its name and so um it's it was inspired I don't know exactly the story, but I know that the idea behind the name, it was recruiting youth that were um, experiencing a lot of barriers, right, and challenges like the ones that Daniel mentioned, the, and also perceiving that lack of civic engagement in the Latinx community coming from youth and, and adults, the lack of parent and guardian involvement, not necessarily because they didn't want to be involved, but because they um, you know, were taking care of their basic needs um, in, in their families and so the idea was to to create future leaders that could serve you know in different um roles different sectors around the entire continent the world indeed you know and so i i know that that story has remained truth uh, making sure that we are providing leadership development opportunities that create. Leaders who don't only think about themselves and their growth and their success, but that they also keep in mind our society, you know, their families, their communities where they live. And that whatever sector they decide to go to, to to become stronger leaders, that they always have that in mind, because that's our, you know, part of our, our mission to advocate for for ourselves, but also how can we improve the lives of of the people that um, we engage with, our peers in school, our friends, and our communities in general.
1: So how many Future Leaders of America uh, programs or or chapters, I'm not sure what what you call them, but how many are there and where are they located now?
2: I think at the moment, right, we have six six regions. Uh, We have... um, Oxnard, Port Wainini, uh, Carpinteria, Santa Barbara, and North and South Santa Maria. And uh, at, at the moment we have over 9,000, I believe, alumni um, in our network uh, that we can tap into, uh, you know, to support in some of our programming uh, that we'll speak on in a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a large organization.
1: And so um, my own daughter participated in Future Leaders of America's Youth Leadership Conference this past summer. And when I would tell people on the Central Coast that she is participating in a program by Future Leaders of America, I would hear about other Future Leaders of America programs in other parts of the United States. Or people would ask me if FLA is a national organization is there a National Future Leaders of America that, that you're a part of, or are you completely local <laughs> or regional?
3: Yeah, regional. That's so interesting. Yeah, I feel that um, it... I can relate to that because sometimes we get calls from people from Florida asking if if the youth leadership conference is available over there, if their youth can apply, or we get voice, voicemails from people saying like, I know someone in Washington who went through this program in high school. How can I get my child involved? And um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that there are other organizations, specifically, I know there is a foundation that has a wide reach that has a similar name. It's Future Leaders of America Foundation. So um, people might confuse it with that. But I also um, have found and heard stories about uh, people who have met FLA alumni that are. I mean, we have FLA alumni in Mexico. At one point, we used to have um, we used to have a chapter there too, when we would send youth from here. To Mexico City and and people from over there could come here as well and so um that that has happened to where people me folks that have gone through the program in a different state right that is not necessarily California and they they want they they hear amazing things about it and they want their children to be part of it and and then we let them know that we're only currently offering services in the central coast and in the regions that Ania just mentioned. And so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It happens. And we also have a, a lot of social media accounts where we try to keep people updated about what's going on. And, and sometimes, um, yeah, that's how people learn about us through yeah. through the exposure that we have.
1: So let's talk more about your specific programs and events. What are the programs and events that future leaders of America is best
3: known for? Thank you for that question. So we have a variety of programs to keep the youth um, busy throughout the year. And um, I'm gonna talk about the core program events, like what defines LA, and then Daniel can definitely touch um, a little bit more on the advocacy programming part of, of the organization. But our main one, which is our flagship program, is the Youth Leadership Conference. We try to host two every summer. And the reason why we host two is because we have six regions to serve. So we try to make space for everyone. Um, We're talking about at least a hundred youth that come to us. Um, They stay for six days at a local campsite, usually is in the middle of the mountains of Santa Barbara. This year uh, we hosted them in San Luis Obispo, actually Camp Rancho El Chorro. A lot of people may be familiar with that area. And during those six days, the youth are able to engage in leadership uh, opportunities, through our peer to peer model, so we have youth giving presentations to their peers um, that um, are there as volunteers that have gone through that program already and come back, um, you know, during the summer, so that they can share that knowledge and that experience with the new youth that is recruited between January and and June. And we talk about you know public speaking, how how to how to practice those skills, how to gain those skills. We talk about the importance of being assertive, right, um, in in your life and in, in your community. We talk about financial aid, the different colleges, CSUs, UCs, community colleges that are out there. We also bring keynote speakers so that they can share their leadership journey and the youth can become inspired by them. And um, we incorporate the cultural element too. We do a lot of self-expression activities like. Coro, which is like choir, a lot of singing, dancing, folklorico, danza, uh, the youth get to paint murals during those six days, um, they get to bond with what we like to call call their uh, FLA familias. it's like a unique term that we use because we include the FLA acronym in the word of family, familia, right, um, and yeah, it's just really fun. Um, they get to break out of their shell. Some of them are already out there, right? Being themselves and, and being confident. And so that's the beauty of it. S- spending six days with people that you don't know and and um, becoming comfortable in that safe space that we provide so they can then come back and join our FLAMA meetings. That's another program that we have, which is year round. Um, it's a bi-weekly meeting in all of the regions that we serve um, youth in where they get to practice everything they learn at YLC, the Youth Leadership Conference, and they get to work on the campaigns that they, they decide on or that they vote on. And those FLAMA meetings, which stands for Future Leaders of America Master Achievers, um, are led by the youth, um, by the FLA Youth Council. So each FLAMA meeting in each of the six regions has a president, a vice president, so they get to learn about um, those roles as well. We also have our uh, family leadership conferences, which is hosted one in November, the first one yeah. since 2020, actually, the first one in person. And it was um, my first one, a beautiful experience where we um, engage youth, their siblings, you know, as young as six months old to grandparents and pa- uh, parents and guardians, they spend a three-day weekend with us, and the goal of that program is to um, build the bridge between the family, the youth, and the school system, and provide um, information on higher education, how to achieve it, what um, financial support is out there for, for, for parents and youth to apply it for, and also how the parents and guardians can be advocates for their child's education, you know, What's the school board? How do you connect with them? Why should we connect with them? What type of um, concerns can we bring up to them so that things can change, right? If we feel like they need to. And also, of course, building a positive family communication, right? Um, it's three days. We have a lot of uh, fun activities for them to engage with. Uh, and also, we this year, we talked a lot about mental health and uh, you know how that has... Uh, been impacted due to the to the pandemic and the importance of having clear, positive communication between everyone. And then last but not least, I'm, I always say, get so excited to talk about our programs because they're amazing. Uh, and I want, you know, every youth who learns about FLA to know um, that they're here for them. Is our university seminars. We host two every year we try to host two every year one in the spring one in the summer one um it's just a one day trip to a a university where we introduce the youth to current college students that can talk about their experiences they get a tour and also um you know just that experience of being on campus and seeing themselves there and also in the fall we try to do a longer university seminar experience so that um there's also time for youth from across the regions to network with each other.
1: Wonderful. A lot of youth-centered programs. Mm -hmm. I'm Lada Murti with you for Central Coast Voices on KCBX, your Central Coast listener-supported radio station. The voices with mine today are Yvette Peralta, Director of Annual Programs for Future Leaders of America, or FLA, and Daniel Gonzalez, Director of Organizing and Advocacy for FLA, And we are talking about the Oxnard and Santa Barbara County um, and beyond organization, <clears throat> excuse me, Future Leaders of America, or FLA, a youth organization that is celebrating its 40th anniversary this year in 2022. Listeners, have you heard of Future Leaders of America? If so, what do you know about it? Or what do you want to know about it? Please call in and tell us. Or you can email your questions and comments to voices at kcbx.org. So Yvette was just telling us about all of the great programs that exist for youth and families and future leaders of America. Daniel, do you want to talk some more about the, the advocacy, the youth advocacy that future leaders of America
2: does? yeah for sure um we have a variety of different advocacy campaigns you know across all regions um but one of the ones that's uh more well known is our a through g campaign uh where our students advocated for the alignment of the high uh, um, high school graduation requirements with the a through g um, uh, graduation requirements um so essentially you know making sure that all youth are able to graduate um, A through G certified and be able to apply to a four year university. One of the issues that you know, we saw was that um, a lot of Latinx, Latinx youth weren't graduating A through G certified. So they weren't able to apply to a four year university. Um, and this often would come as you know a shock to our students because they weren't really aware of like, what are the A through Gs? Uh, they didn't really know and a lot of it was just because you know our our school district weren't really, you know, providing that information or um, exposing our students uh, to that information on a regular basis. And it's something that we made sure that we talked about um, at our youth leadership conferences, making sure that we educate um, our students on what's actually required. What do you need to pay attention to? What are the specific dates that, um, you know, you have to apply or or register? What are the courses you need to take? so we really made sure that, you know, our students had that information. And we pushed for a policy change at um OUHSD. Um it took us about three years to really um uh, to actually pass it. Um and, and it was a difficult road. You know, we had to um really um, you know, state the issue to the district, um, uh, educate you know our youth and, and our families about you know what was going on, that there was you know low A through G rates, um, that, that it was a real big issue, but also the fact that you know our students and our parents weren't getting the correct information. Um, and, and you know we we did our best to address address that that issue. Um, and thankfully, you know, in 2018, uh, working with this district, we were able to pass, you know, the an A through G policy, uh, which is actually going into effect. Uh, went into effect in 2018. So this year is actually the first uh, cohort who's going to graduate A through G certified um, at OUHSD, which is amazing. Um, we're all, we've also implemented, you know, an A through G uh, policy at uh, SBUSD. Uh, we're still working with them on 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 you know, making sure that that it's passed, but we have a verbal confirmation with the district. Um, And through that, you know, campaign, we were also able to figure out what else is needed, right? It's it's not just a policy change that needs to happen. We also need to uh, make sure that our youth have the resources um, that they need in order to um, be able to you know get the, the correct information there needs to be a lot of parent involvement so really how do we connect with parents how do we uh, provide them with the information that they need um and another issue that we found is like you know we need a lot of um you know uh make sure that that are that there's culturally relevant support for our students you know the needs for for you know some youth might be different from others, right? So we wanna make sure that um, there is that, that, that cultural um, education going on for our youth, um, but also how do we make connections with um, local universities to increase um, access to, to um, these, these universities? So creating those partnerships, working with Channel Islands, uh, with CI, with uh, Channel Islands uh, University, uh, with UCSB, um, and also with, um, you know, Cal Poly as well, making those connections so that students actually have access to universities. Um, and we're still working on a policy in Santa Maria as well. Um, other work that we're currently doing is also doing a lot of, um, drug prevention work. Um, uh, here specifically in Port Wainimi, we're advocating for flavor bans and, uh, smoke free multi unit housing um in our communities one of the issues that we're seeing that's really prevalent in the news right now is that you know the tobacco industry is really targeting our youth with you know um a lot of flavor products whether it's you know um e-cigarettes tobacco t- tobacco products that are um that have those those candy flavors that are they can be really addicting to our students right um so we're, you know, working on these policies, advocating at city council, working with our students to really educate our community about this issue. Um, and when it comes to, you know, um, working on issues around uh, smoke-free homes, really advocating for for the fact that, you know, um, it is an issue, right? If, if um, you know, you're not smoking in an apartment, but your neighbor is, uh, you know, the smoke can't travel to uh, your home and you're breathing in uh, air, or smoked smoke air uh, from other neighboring, you know, apartments. Um, so those are the, some of the the advocacy that we're doing in Port Evening and also Carpinteria. We're also doing a lot of um, alcohol and and other drug prevention in Santa Barbara. Really, uh, one of the the most recent um, policies that we were able to pass was the deemed approve ordinance uh, where we where where we advocated for the prevent of marketing of alcohol to youth and mitigating underage drinking in, in Santa in the city of Santa Barbara What was going on? you know there's, the, the, there's a lot of liquor stores in our communities, right? And you know um, one of the unfortunate things that was going on is that they were um, there was a lot of like um, you know marketing going on in these liquor stores. Um, when a liquor store is, is created, um, they have a, a specific uh, floor plan that they have to follow where they're providing, you know, um, regular g- food goods, um, but also they can sell alcohol. Uh, and what was going on is that a lot of these liquor stores were becoming full blown, you know, bed uh, where they were j- strictly just selling, you know, alcohol. And our community wasn't getting a lot of the, the you know, other food products, healthy foods that, that they had access to. So we really, uh, advocated for, you know, a stricter regulation, but also the removal of mini bottles from display cases that were, um, in front of the stores that, um, you know, young adults would be, uh, able to easily steal. Um, and then that in turn, they would get, you know, addicted to drinking and that would really cascade into like, uh, underage drinking increasing underage drinking in our communities. Um, but yeah, uh. I'll, I'll leave it at that just because there's a lot.
1: <laughs> there is a lot. And uh, we have a question from a listener, uh, Maria from King City. Maria is wondering if there are any plans to expand future leaders of America to, uh, to Maria's area of King City. Um, they said that they would be willing to drive to Paso Robles, if there were programs for her children?
3: Wow. Thank you, Maria, for that question. And that is so motivating <laughs> to hear. Uh, you know, the idea at FLA is to always continue growing and strengthening, right? We've been for, here for 40 years, and we're so grateful for all of the support that our funders have provided to us in order to continue You know, maintaining our programs. And of course, we are grateful for the volunteer hours that, you know, really hundreds of alumni have have given to FLA up since since they graduated, but decided to come back during those those conferences. And so um, that's always our goal again in our in our strategic work plan, we always want to make sure that there is space for finding ways to strengthen the organization and sustainably growing. So, I I I hope that we can continue to expand. That's that's been the trend so far, right? It was Oxnard, Santa Barbara, Santa Maria. Now we're in Puerto and Carpinteria, and and there's that um. Uh, that um those new cohorts right and and that new change being advocated for in those new communities and so really if if the funding is out there we we would be more than happy to continue to expand um i also do want to say that every now and then we make assumptions, exceptions exceptions um, and if there's a student from maybe the la area that's really interested in in attending this conference because they they feel like there is nothing else like it in in their in their areas um and there is space we open the door and we you know send the link to that individual so maria i would um encourage you to stay up to date with what we have going on on our social media we can share the our handles um towards the end of the program, if that's okay. And then also our, our website is futureleadersnow.org. So in there, um, we'll we'll have the applications open soon. And um, yeah, we we can keep you in mind um, if anything opens up, because that that has happened in the past. And of course, if, if we expand, it will be all over the news. So <laughs> we'll let Lata know so she can let us let, share with you all. Thank you,
1: Maria. And thank you for that answer, Yvette. Um, so we're about to take a break. But um, before we do, I uh, I want to ask, who are the students and families who are eligible for Future Leaders of America?
3: Great question, yeah. So how, how can you be part of the Feliz familia, right? Um, the youth, uh, the the age range that we serve is thirteen to you know seniors in high school. Some of them might be seventeen or eighteen when they're when they reach that grade. So um, that that's our the the target age that we try to to um, engage in our programs. And there's a reason why right thirteen right after they grad when they're graduating eighth eighth grade because a lot of the programs and activities that we have um, do require a specific level of maturity, right? Emotional maturity. And of course, people mature at different ages. I I acknowledge that. Um, However, we want them to have the best experience and for for it not to be overwhelming for them. And in regards to the families, we do focus on Latinx communities and indigenous communities in the Central Coast. So, um, you know, obviously, um, they are welcome because they are the focus of our of our mission, but we do open it up to anyone of any ethnic background. I mean, we we acknowledge that although Latinx communities are majority in, in many of the cities in the Central Coast, we also have a lot of people from the Philippines in, in the specific areas, people from South Asia um, and other other countries. So and and continents in general. So we. We understand the uh, enriching experience of engaging with people with with different backgrounds, and um, once the application is open for for our summer programs, we um, we set, put it out there for everyone who's interested to apply. And if it's something that they want to experience, we we you know take the ne- the necessary next steps to make sure that they're part of our of our program.
1: Excellent. We are going to take a short break to hear from our studio. Over to you, Brad.
0: Thank you very much, Lada. Central Coast Voices will return in just a moment. From the KCBX Community Calendar, the San Luis Obispo Botanical Garden is inviting you to Nature Nights every day from 5 to 8 through January eighth. This event features large format light projections, illuminated sculptures, and artistic lighting of garden areas. There's also a full menu by Paradise Kitchen, regional wine, and beer available to enjoy. For more information and tickets, visit slowbg.org. I'm Maria Hinojosa. Next time on Latino USA, we premiere a new podcast
2: series, USA vs. Garcia Luna, from our own Futuro Investigates.
3: A leader of the Sinaloa Cartel testified that the cartel has paid millions of dollars in bribes to Garcia Luna himself in exchange in smuggling drugs
0: into the United States. That's next time on Latino USA. On the next Fresh
2: Air, Rachel Maddow talks about her new podcast series, Ultra. She reports on the little-known story of plots by the ultra-right to overthrow the American government aided by Hitler's government in the days leading up to World War II. The story involves a Nazi agent in the U.S. who colluded with members of Congress. Join us.
0: There's a not great thing that happens when women are cut out of academic economics.
1: It really tilts what economists study, and thus it tilts how we actually understand the economy that we're participating in. It
3: perhaps even affects public policy.
0: I'm Kai Risdahl. Sexism and harassment and economics next time on Marketplace. And that is ahead today on our Thursday here on KCBX. Latino USA from 2 to 3, followed by Fresh Air from 3 to 4, and then a wrap-up of the day's business on Marketplace at 4. Right now, let's return to Lotta Murdy and her guests on Central Coast Voices. Back to you, Lotta.
1: Thank you, Brad. Welcome back. I am on with Daniel Gonzalez, Director of Organizing and Advocacy for Future Leaders of America, And Yvette Peralta, Director of Annual Programs for Future Leaders of America, or FLA. And we are talking about FLA, an organization working to empower youth, particularly Latinx youth, in Oxnard and Santa Barbara County um, and beyond. Do you have any questions about this organization and its work? Call 805-549-8855. Or you can email questions and comments to voices at kcbx.org, and we will get them on the air. So before the break, um, we were talking about the youth who are eligible for Future Leaders of America. And it's not just youth, or not just Latinx youth, I should say, but, um, but youth of, of all ethnicities. And uh, we were talking about the programs and the advocacy that Future Leaders of America does with, with the youth. Um, so could you tell me a little bit more, each of you, what you do for these programs and your specific roles or positions with FLA? Daniel, let's start with you. What do you do for Future Leaders of America as Director of Organizing and Advocacy?
2: So. Um basically what i do is i work with the students on their campaign i strategize with them i provide them with like the tools they need um to feel confident in the work that they do you know um we use a a a variety of different um tools uh like a you know a strategy chart where students take the time to really map out you know their their plan for advocacy work really handling okay what's your long-term goal what's your What's your intermediate goal? Um, what's something that we can get done this year, right? Um, we have a look at, you know, uh, who's our opposition? Who are our allies? What are some of the tactics that we can use to really push forward our, our policy campaigns? Um, you know, I, uh, and it's also, you know, motivating our team, um, you know, helping them, because we do have a set of organizers that are, you know, working um, dually, you know, on programming, but also on the advocacy work. They're taking a lead, you know, of, of, of the work with the students, um, and I'm basically supporting them as well, uh, making sure that they have the tools that they need to support our students. Um, we also do, I also do a lot of the communications work, um, you know, making sure that, we, you know, we're informing the community about the awesome work that we're doing, um, and, you know, also supporting you there. As well with programming, I have a, <laughs> I have five years right working with Future Leaders of America, so I have I have some you know knowledge of, of specifics that that Yvette's, um, you know, getting the ropes on. Um, so really, um, I guess I'm a jack of all trades.
3: So Yvette, how long have you been with Future Leaders of America now? <laughs> Um, I just celebrated my first year in late October. So it's been an eventful year to say the least, And and what a year to join too, right? Um, When we are turning 40 years and also celebrating all of our accomplishments. So it was... Really an honor to have um, the opportunity to to go to that celebration and and meet and be inspired by all of the alumni that keep this organization going. And um, I am uh, also very appreciative of Danielle's and everyone's um, support since I joined. Definitely um, a lot a lot to to catch up on. FLA is very unique in the way it executes their core programmings and um, very thoughtful too in making sure that we are culturally relevant, but that we are continuing to evolve and update our curriculum. So that's part of my job, a big part of my job, making sure that we are remaining relevant, right, that we are incorporating inclusive um um strategies to make sure that everyone feels welcome, especially when it comes to language, right? You've heard us say the word Latinx multiple times. Before it used to be Latino-led, but hey, we have people from different genders and it's important for us to use neutral language um to make sure that people feel uh, like this is a true safe space for them and that we are being allies from taking those small actions and of course more active roles right to to change the systems that impact the people that um are um, experiencing a lot of oppression from from the systems in in place currently. I also, of course, support the youth organizers. Like um, Danielle mentioned, we have one youth organizer position per region. So in total, it's um, uh, about six people that are um, working on on FLA programming. But um, on my end, it's a lot of the recruitment. So making sure that we prepare for those um, conferences and university seminars, and the, that the flamas are uh, being consistent and active. And so, I—that's um, my my part of my role as well, making sure that the team has what they need to to continue to do their job successfully.
1: Great. And thank you for explaining the organization's use of Latinx to to refer the youth and families and communities in the area. So you both talked a little bit about this, but could you say more about how Future Leaders of America as an organization has changed and grown over the past 40 years?
2: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. F- FLA has definitely changed. Um, I know that, you know, in the past, um, FLA it has always been, you know, about creating leaders, um, about building up students, right? And we've done a lot of volunteer work. Um, but advocacy is really new to the organization. It, it actually um, was first uh, implemented, I believe, in 2015. Uh, with our former uh, executive director, really pushing forward, um, you know creating change. So we wanted to make sure, hey, we're not just building up leaders, right? How are we gonna make active change in the, in in our community? How do we um, you know how do we train up these youth and then use the 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 skills that they have to to create change? Um, so I think that's definitely one of the things that's really different from um, the past is really all the advocacy work, um really pushing for change in our community. Um, and and yeah, just uh, uplifting that that work that we do.
1: And how has the pandemic impacted that work, or has it not?
2: That's, oh, it's <laughs> definitely impacted our work. Um, you know, back in twenty nineteen, um, you know, we had recently uh, finished our our um, family camp, and that's the week before. Uh, The pandemic hit, hit. so we had to really strategize. Okay, how do we how do we go from in person activities to virtual? And it was really challenging at first. um, You know, setting up Zoom links, having Zoom meetings with our students, and then really um, diving deep as to how are we gonna um, how are we going to have our youth leadership conference via Zoom? Um, And it was a it, it. At first, we were thinking maybe we're not going to have one, right? But, um, you know, we we pulled together, uh, we had, you know, amazing presentations, and we were able to provide a pretty high-quality camp uh, that was much shorter, a little bit smaller than our six-day camp, but we provided our youth with with, um, a lot of, you know, um, I guess, you know, Things that they can take with them, right? Um, we did start hosting um, speech contests where, you know, our youth were able to to use the skills that they learned at camp, create a a speech, and then win some awards. So a lot of our students left, you know, left our program with scholarships that they that they earned. I believe our highest scholarship was probably around a thousand dollars, and we did that, I believe, two years in a row. So it was definitely. Um, a, a worthwhile experience. Um, but talking a little bit more specifically about how it affected, you know, um, our students, um, you know, our youth did uh, struggle a lot academically um, during the pandemic. Um, and, you know, it's something that was on the headlines right nationally, but, you know, we really, um, through our 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 program, we were able to really advocate for um, uh, better grading policies uh, and holistic grading policies across all our regions to really support our students. Um, one of the things that was happening in our community in, in school for our youth was that, you know, they were getting marked off for not submitting uh, you know, their assignments on a timely manner. Um, but, you know, we were facing a pandemic and we, wasn't, uh, we couldn't expect that of our students to be going through um, you know this this huge crisis you know having vets in the family um, having their mental health being affected um, so we're really you know working with the district and coming up with you know more holistic grading policies where students have the opportunity um, to grow and to really learn um, and and get the support that they needed from from uh, districts um, across the, the uh, the Central Coast, um, and we also worked on a wellness policy um, in in Oxnard where we really looked at what were some of the issues that our students were facing when it came to their mental health. Um, and we we got we were really fortunate in Oxnard that the district was already working on a mental health policy, and we were able to work together and come up with with um, a, a great policy together. One of the main issues that we have um, is that you know mental health, especially in the community, is often seen as something that you don't talk about. That if if you have you know personal issues, you don't really um, talk to your family about them. Parents kind of brush them off. Or these older older Latinx parents brush brush off mental mental health issues. So really figuring out how do we, um, you know, how do we the de- the Demystify, destigmatize—you know—mental health in the community community, um, and and luckily we passed—you know—a a pretty awesome health poli- uh, mental wellness policy in in at OUHSD, and we're hopeful that in the future we're able to pass something in, in the other districts that we work with.
1: So very good. So so the organization weathered the pandemic, um, and has has had staying power here for 40 years. 40 years is a long time for a nonprofit organization to keep going strong. So how would you explain the longevity of future leaders of America, particularly in this region?
3: Great question, Lata. Yeah, and just to put an emphasis on that, like the milestone accomplishment that it means that an organization founded and led by people of color and youth is still standing strong. You know, it's it definitely deserves just a grounding moment and, and acknowledging like I did at the beginning of the interview, all of the um, volunteer hours and the commitment of the FLA alumni who many of them donate to the organization, share their story with other people pass on their experiences to their siblings. That's something beautiful that I've, I've encountered many times as I get to meet the families. They're like, oh, yeah, my 30-year-old child who's now, you know, a nonprofit leader or a business owner, um, a teacher in school, went through the program. And now my 15-year-old, like, it's ready. I'm here to sign them up. <laughs> Where is the application? Right. And so it's really a lot of that, like the having the community's trust, earning it, maintaining it, and you know, just like a plant, watering it to make sure that that continues to to stay alive. Um, it's, it's, it's part of our culture. It's part of who we are. We are here because of the alumni that have gone through the program uh, who, again, are always willing to jump in to come back and only a full week <laughs> of their time to share their experience and lead the way. And also our funders, right? Although we don't we are part of that nonprofit um, group of of organizations that don't always get the funding, you know. I, I don't know the data, but I've heard my executive director talk about it, how, you know, the um, BIPOC nonprofit organizations usually receive less funding than um, white-laid institutions or organizations. And so it's it's a great accomplishment, and um, it, it just means so much to know that, you know, I, I get to work with youth and um, in an organization that has just prevailed, you know, even though it had many challenges along the way.
1: I'm Lada Murthy with you for Central Coast Voices on KCBX, Central Coast Public Radio, your listener-supported radio station. If you recently joined us for today's show and want to listen to the entire broadcast, you can. It's available on our website at www.kcbx.org under the On Demand tab. Click on Central Coast Voices and you will find this show and many others to choose from. Today I am talking with Yvette Peralta, Director of Annual Programs for Future Leaders of America, or FLA, and Daniel Gonzalez, Director of Organizing and Advocacy for FLA. And we still have a little more time for your emailed questions or comments at voices at kcbx.org. Tell us what you want to know about Future Leaders of America and its work with Latinx youth primarily um, in the Central Coast region, including in Oxnard and Ventura County. So what led each of you to work for Future Leaders of America? Oh, Daniel, we can't hear you. Well, let me ask, ask another question first. How can our listeners find out more? You had mentioned the website. Um, do you want to share the handles you'd mentioned
3: earlier, Yvette? Yes, I would love to. Um, so we are um, out there on Instagram and Facebook. On Facebook, you can find us as Future Leaders of America. Our website is Future Leaders of America Now. And we also have multiple Instagram pages because um, the youth cohorts, that's one of the medium they use to to, um, stay up to date with what's going on in their specific regions. So we have, um, I can also type them in the chat um, so uh, we can say them again towards the end of the show. But uh, it's futureleadersnow.sv, futureleadersnow.carp for Carpinteria. FutureLeadersNow dot sm, future dot for Pauruanimi and FutureLeadersNow for Oxnard. So, um, if, if you go to those Instagram pages, you can see um, what each region is working on. Great. So, Daniel, what led you
1: to work for Future Leaders of America uh, <clears throat> five years ago?
2: Yeah. Um... Hopefully you can hear me now. But um, yeah, I remember Future Leaders when I was in high school. I never went through the program, but I was aware of it. Um, and through my work with other organizations, um, I had some you know, connection with Future Leaders. I remember doing a bus tour with um, some of the organizers um, that were working with Future Leaders back in 2012, um, so I was really familiar with the work. Um, I wasn't too familiar with the camp since I didn't go, um, but I was really excited um, to to work with Future Leaders and to support students. Um, I have you know over 10 years of experience, 15 years actually of experience, you know, doing youth organizing, uh, working with students. Um, working on various advocacy uh, projects. You know, um, so I really wanted to see what I can bring to future leaders. Um, and it was like nothing else, to be honest with you, getting to meet the students, um, their different characters. Um, and I, I fell in love with the organization. Um, and even now I, that I'm not really working as directly with the FLAMA uh, youth, um, I miss it, you know, but I do get a chance to to hang out with them and, and support them from time to time. So um, yeah, just working with students and helping them, you know, achieve, you know, the, the goals that they want to achieve during high school.
1: How about you, Yvette? What led you to Future Leaders of
3: America? Thank you for that question, Lata. For me, um, I, I, I have a similar Initial, um, how can I explain this? Well, let me let me take myself back to when I first heard about FLA. It was it was at a, their Latinx Legacy Awards event that they host every year, or they have been hosting every year, in um, Santa Maria to um, recognize the Latinx folks that uh, are part of our community that have been inspiring and and paved the way for for many more youth leaders. And I was working for the Santa Maria Times, a local newspaper who that um had assigned me to to cover that event, and so I was like, oh, "Okay, this is what they do. What a big party here! <laughs> a lot of people making change in their community." So I was very impressed by by the impact that the organization has and you know just by browsing on their website and seeing um all of the work that they were doing and then I became a member of their planning committee um, as a volunteer for that specific award event because, you know, back in like four years ago, we had a lot less staff. So a lot of those type of activities were um, executed by volunteers in the community. And with my background in media, I was able to support here and there with like photos uh, or, you know, creating videos. And I just wanted to give back because I, I saw how much, they were giving to the community and, and the families in the area. And so I was always a fan and a supporter. And when the opportunity arose, I uh, learned about the the position. And I I was driven by um, first, you know, the the opportunity of being in an organization where I could use my skills and abilities to to make a change in in our society. And also for the personal opportunity of growing and learning and hearing and making sure that the youth power is included in every decision that we make and every advocacy campaign or initiative that we start, right? Um, That was very, very intriguing to me. Excellent. So what do each of
1: you look forward to with future leaders of America and the future of Latinx youth leadership on California's Central Coast. Daniel?
2: Definitely expanding. I know that we talked a little bit about it at the beginning, but that's really how I envis- what I envision for future leaders. They're really expanding, um, bringing back those, you know, regions like Santa Paula and Fillmore but honestly, you know, we need we need the funding, right? We need to have the funding in order to support these programs. Um, but I'm really looking forward to growing um, and also continuing to work on these amazing advocacy campaigns with our students. Um, you know, yeah, just just uh, continuing the work, uh, continuing to support the youth um, and, you know, pushing forward, you know, these great policies.
3: And you, Yvette? I totally echo Daniel's uh, words. I'm also very excited and hopeful, even though, you know, we face so many challenges and barriers and that the students come to us with stories too, about their experience with, uh, you know, the lack of support sometimes that they have um, in in their communities. I'm hopeful for the change that they, that they will create once they're, out and about, you know, pursuing their their personal goals and dreams and hopefully come back and don't forget about their communities and FLA. <laughs> but um, because I see them making change now, so I'm like, yeah, I am inspired by them and I look forward to just seeing them grow and also touching more lives, impacting more lives. You know, it's it's over 9,000 now and um, like our website states in the most recent um, YLCs that we've hosted in the last couple of years, uh, 83% of them saw themselves as a leader after they went to YLC. 87 of them said that they improved their public speaking skills. 90% of them learned how to impact policy, which is one of my favorite statistics. And 87 of them said they learned more about their ethnic or racial, racial identity. And so that is definitely something I want to continue to see and in a more um, short-term goal. I'm very excited about the work that Daniel is leading with his team of collecting data through our BIPOC survey because um, it's it's a central coast wide survey, like Monterrey and Daniel, please elaborate on the regions a little bit more um, if you can. But that um, completing that survey and collecting all of uh, you know thousands of responses is gonna help us prove that what we're advocating for is much needed and hopefully get us the funding that we need to continue to grow.
1: I wish you all the best with that. I wanna thank our guests, Daniel Gonzalez, Director of Organizing and Advocacy for Future Leaders of America. You can reach him at Daniel at futureleadersnow.org. And future leaders Now is all one word. My other guest today is Yvette Peralta, Director of Annual Programs for Future Leaders of America. And you can reach her at Yvette at futureleadersnow, again, all one word, .org. We've been talking about Future Leaders of America or FLA and the leadership programs it has organized for Santa Barbara County and Oxnard Youth and beyond for the last 40 years since 1982 um check out future leaders of america their website is futureleadersnow.org you can also find them on instagram at futureleadersnow at futureleadersnow.sb at futureleadersnow.ph at leaders.carp, and also at futureleadersnow.sm central coast voices wishes you healthy safe and happy holidays We will be taking a break during the next two weeks, but we look forward to being back with you live in the new year on Thursday, January 5th, 2023. Central Coast Voices has been sponsored by Action for Healthy Communities and the San Luis Obispo Community Foundation in collaboration with KCBX. I am Lada Murthy. Thank you for joining us today.